hello everybody welcome again to another edition of from the boardroom to the locker room and we are talking football this evening and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome back we haven't spoken forever sergio dos santos sergio how are you my friend good day to you young man lovely to speak to you after such a very very long time it is and, uh, and... hopefully we'll have a little bit of fun and uh, and give uh, the listeners something to sort of think about. We always do when I chat with you. And the nice thing about it is that I know it's going to be told to me straight. I don't need to worry about any corners, free kicks or penalties. So I'm going to go straight into it. World Cup starting on Sunday. As disappointed as I am, I'm sure you are in no Bafana, Bafana, no interest for South Africa at all. Again. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately so. And uh, it's not getting pretty. Or better, is it? Um, you think it is, Serge? Well, you know, I've said this so many, many times. You know, there's lots of reasons, but I think the biggest reason of the lot is the control of what's happening with South African football from the top. That's definitely without a question of doubt. Always starts in the office, decision-making processes, etc. And then the biggest one of the lot following that is the fact that the players today are just on another level from a mental point of view. They don't understand what it means to be in a position that they are in, earning the most unbelievable salaries, playing on the most incredible football grounds, flying to the games the day before the matches, training on a full-time basis without having to worry about work commitments, etc. And yet, they just cannot do it because the heart, the soul, the desire and the magnitude of their minds cannot capture what it means to represent your country. It's as simple as that. I said right at the beginning, you would shoot straight, and there you go. And that's why I love chatting to you. Because, Sergio, for those people who are not fully aware of your history, you know, you can speak like that because you were exactly the epitome of what the players aren't today. In your career, for the likes of Hellenic, and and you know that I still have a big problem with that because of my support of Cape Town City in those days. Uh, And then when you moved on to Spurs and Chiefs and then managed Chiefs, it was, even though, take the politics out of it, it was the fans were completely and absolutely passionately in love with the teams that they watched. There were season ticket holders that went to matches around the country. Derbies were, okay, Chiefs and Pirates still to this day is a fantastic derby. But you guys didn't have all of the privileges that players had today yet. The sacrifices that you made came out in how you played and entertained the fans. Well, I think that that's the biggest thing. You know, in those days, of course, and as you know, unfortunately, we were separated in terms of the various leagues. Yet the Black League was unbelievable. The Colored League was unbelievable. The White League was unbelievable. The NFL, the Federation and the NPSL. I mean, there were three incredible leagues. And when we eventually came together, we knew that what we had to do was continue what the base had been for those three different leagues to amalgamate it and give the people sitting on the stand who in those days, especially those coming from the other side of the political equation, had such a tough life that when they came to football on a Sunday afternoon, all that they wanted to do was to shut the mind out of what was happening in their lives and celebrate this explosion of talent across the country. And to cement that statement, I say the following. 
let's have a look at the fact that when we came back into world football in 1994, we went and won the African Nations Cup at the first time of asking, yeah. followed by qualification for the World Cup immediately. Now, what does that tell you? about the quality of the players in those days. So why all of a sudden is that quality not there anymore when they've got so much more from facilities to money to everything else that you can imagine? They've got it all. And opportunities to go and play overseas, which we never had in those days. I mean, it's so, just it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. So, so, Serge, from what you're saying, which I completely and absolutely fully agree, if I may take it to another country, is that why, do you think, in the days that you played and years previous and slightly after your days, Brazil was so good and won the World Cup on so many occasions because of exactly what you were saying about getting out there on a Sunday? Now, it's taken a while since Brazil have won the World Cup because you've got, and I don't criticize the, the Neymars of the world who earning ridiculous amounts of money and applying their trade in Barcelona or Real Madrid or wherever, but the Brazilian team of old that was so unbeatable, the Pele team and, and ones even before and after, was it because of the fact that the hunger was so bad and so, so desperate for them to win? Well, I think that, uh, you know, Brazil has always been the darling football nation of the entire world. And the reason for that was because in those days, when we got exposed to Brazilian football, especially on television at a later stage, the one yeah. thing that we discovered about Brazil was that what they used to call the Samba football. I mean, they used to play this incredible brand of football with artistry, with speed, with, with uncanny dribbling ability, with individual flair, and they celebrated the game. It, it was like, you know, they danced with the ball. Uh, recently, as you know, in, in England, for example, Anthony playing for Man United yeah. was castrated almost because he dared to do a little bit of a trick on the ball. How dare you do something like that? I mean, if that's what's going to make you tick, if that's what's going to make you play, then do it. And the Brazilians yes. did it in those days. Can I say they played fearless football? Fearless football is a wonderful word. They had no doubt in those days, Louis. They had no doubt that when they had possession, the ball was going to be theirs and was going to be theirs for a very, very long time. And it's amazing because many, 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 many years later, and it took a very long time for someone like Pep Guardiola to make the players understand that the name of the game is keep possession. Don't yeah. give the ball away. Because while you have the ball, you are the master. Okay, so can Brazil, as we now turn our attention to the tournament that starts on Sunday, can Brazil yes. lift the trophy, do you think? Or is there another side like perhaps Argentina? Lionel Messi gets an opportunity. He's long from Europe. But let's start with Brazil. You happy with the squad that's going? A couple of old well, men there. I've always, Louis, I've always been a big Brazil fan because of the brand of football that they play. I mean, I just love watching them play. But it has changed quite a bit now because obviously business, football has become big business, as you know. So they need to win the World Cup. And sometimes by sacrificing some of the flair. Although with Brazil, we are very fortunate that there's always three or four or five players and one or two that are exceptionally un out of this world, uh, like Neymar, for example, who produce the goods. So the Brazilian team, for me, without a question of doubt, are outright favorites. They are at the top, quite a few notches above the, the following teams, which I'll tell you shortly. And But there's one thing now about Brazil that they have that maybe they didn't have for a while. And that is that the coach 
uh, tight has made them into a very competitive unit. They're not just footballers anymore. They're not just individually brilliant. They are a quality, compact unit. They're very, very solid off the ball. And when they have possession, of course, they do the magic. And they've got one thing that the Brazilian teams have never had for many, many years. And that is two exceptional goalkeepers yeah. in Alisson and Becker. And because of those two, my money is completely and utterly in Brazil because they normally suffer. But with these goalkeepers, it's not going to be easy to penetrate. And therefore, they will have the tempo, the flair and the freedom to go forward, which is what they do at the very best. So let's see who's going to go through from Group G with them. Serbia, Switzerland or Cameroon, one of the African five? Uh, this is a very interesting question because Brazil and Switzerland are looking the, the deal. They are looking the deal, Brazil and Switzerland. However, I think that Serbia, they can be a very threatening outfit, not because they may be good enough compared to that lot, but I think that they've got a little bit of quality in their team to maybe cause a surprise. Cameroon, unfortunately, don't have enough quality across the board to be a threat to beat Switzerland and Brazil. I can't see that. So I think that Brazil and Switzerland will go through. Let's go to Group A now. The hosts, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal and the Netherlands. It's only ever happened once in the history of the World Cup where a team, the host nation, has not made it through to the next round. That's, of course, South Africa. It might happen again with Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal and the Netherlands. Well, my opinion is that it will happen again because the Netherlands and Senegal will go through in that group. How far can Senegal go, sir? Well, Senegal are my favourites out of Africa, but there's just one little problem that has crept up, and that is the injury to Sadio Mane. Yeah. Sadio Mane, I told all my Liverpool friends when I heard that they were going to sell him to Bayern Munich, they're going to make a very big mistake. They should rather sell Salah, not because he's not better, or because there's a problem with him, but because he's worth a lot of money. They can take that money to strengthen the squad a little bit, and Sadio Mane will do the job. Now, Sadio Mane not being in the Senegalese side is equivalent to Pelé not being in the Brazilian side, in my opinion. And history shows, and I know that your comment about the Liverpool situation is one that I have made on a number of occasions. Great teams have great combinations. And when they broke up the Mane combination with Salah, like in yep. years gone by with Blackburn Rovers, with Shearer and Sutton and Van Nistelrooy, Cole, yes. those kind of combinations... Does he have a part there in that Senegalese side to allow him to expose the brilliance that he is? Well, I think the Senegalese team have always played with a lot of determination. I remember when they played against France in one of the World Cups. I just can't remember for sure which one it was. And they caused a big, was Is that when it was? You yeah. remember they were, they were exceptional. When they played against France, it was the, the slavery connection playing against yeah. the master connection. And they had this intent, and they did a phenomenal job. They are a very, very capable and useful team, full of players who ply their trade in overseas leagues. And therefore, they will be the ones to go through with Netherlands. And let's wait and see who they're going to play in the next round, because I think that they, of the African teams, could possibly go as far up as possible, even up into the quarterfinal stage. So the reason I know it's 2002 is because I actually was in Dakar in Senegal for that game. And I uh -huh. can tell you that the atmosphere, it was something that I've never experienced ever in my life. Okay, let's move to Group B. 
and obviously yes. a massive interest from South Africa by virtue of the yes. fact that we watch so much Premier League football. So many Absolutely. people in South Africa would actually say they support England in this World Cup. Iran, United States and Wales back. Gareth Bale and his Welsh team there. There could yeah. be a tricky uh, bit of second placing here. The odd result in this group could determine who actually goes through and who doesn't. You are quite correct, uh, Louis. As a matter of fact, of the four teams, the USA is probably at their weakest in a very long time. I don't think they've got any chance at all. The obvious choice is England with Wales to go through. But I am telling you now that Carlos Queiroz, if you yeah. look at his record as a football coach, he is no monkey. He knows what this is all about. He has done it at club level and at international level. I am sticking my neck out and I'm going to say to you that Wales must be very, very, very careful because Iran is going to be a massive threat and I would not be shocked if they go through with England. And it's the, the interesting thing about the group, Serge, is that the last game in that group sees the Welsh play the English and the Iranians play the United States. Now, if ever there was... <laughs> competition in terms of outside football, Iran versus the United States. I mean, that's in Doha, of all places, it's like, wow. Anything can happen there. Anything's possible. And of course, England against Wales. Imagine if England against Wales, and Wales has got to win, for example, to go through. Yeah. Uh, Or Iran is a draw against the USA to go through. I mean, it's going to be fireworks. When we talk about wars, this is going to be a war. There's no question about it. So let's go to Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Now, I wouldn't call it the group of death, but it's close. Yes, it is close. It's one of the, the closer ones in terms of that. Uh, Argentina must go through, obviously. They are, as a matter of interest, they are my joint second favorites with France. And Mexico has suddenly exploded over the last few years. They've got a, a tremendous team put together. But I am saying to you again in this group that Poland has not done too badly. They're not normally a team that we need to worry about, but they have not done too badly and qualified accordingly. And I'm saying that Mexico must be a little bit careful in terms of keeping their eye on Poland. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying that Poland's going to go through. I don't think they will go through. But I think that Mexico must be very, very careful and mustn't be too cocky. Yeah, because the Polish can play a brand of football where they put the bus in 12 to 11 defenders plus the goalkeeper and win it on a penalty shootout. I mean, that's the way the Polish can go about it. So let's go to Group D. Fascinating group, this one, because France and Tunisia obviously have such a a long history and connection, and Australia and Denmark. Well, the Danes are not the same as the Peter Schmeichel days, but... No. They're also very consistent when they come to World Cups and are always there or thereabouts. So between France, Australia, Denmark and Tunisia, this could be a battle group. This. Yeah, well, funnily enough, well, France obviously goes through. Denmark always remind me a little bit of Holland in the way that they approach these type of tournaments. They don't have teams whereby they've got five, six exceptional players. They've got a compact unit. They play like a compact unit. They are very, very tight in terms of commitment to the team, to the nation, to the, to, to the jersey, etc. And they do the basics. They stick with the basics. They play percentage football. And because of that, they will go through with France. Although France have been a team that have imploded in World Cups before. We think of 2010 yes. here in South Africa. There's a lot of white noise around the French when they don't perform well. When they're good, they're brilliant. 
But when they're bad, oh my goodness, they can be bad and their supporters <laughs> let them know. They are. Well, France, of course, uh, they are going to bring to the World Cup a little bit, well, not a little bit, quite a lot in actual fact, of what Brazil gives you. But Didier Deschamps, who, as you know, has now won the World Cup together yeah. with Beckenbauer, both as a player and as the manager, Didier Deschamps has put together a formidable squad of players, and boy, are they formidable. I'll just give you three names. Just, just, I'll give you four names. Hugo Loris, the goalkeeper and captain. Yeah. I mean, this guy is sensational. Sensational goalkeeper. The most important position of the World Cup is the goalkeeper. And he is that man. And then you've got Mbappé, Griezmann and Benzema. I'm not going to give you any more names because there are so many of them. There are so many of them. But what I will say is this. They are going to miss, and underline this, they are going to miss Drogba and Conte without any question of doubt. Yeah, Much so, that could be the difference between winning it and maybe losing in the final. So we go to Group E, and for some reason or other, nobody seems to be talking much about Spain. I've got a five-penny note or five-penny coin that I'd like to put on the <laughs> Spanish. In a group with Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan, you would expect Spain and Germany to go through but Costa Rica and Japan, particularly Costa Rica, are not a pushover. No, uh, but I can't see, uh, you know, as bad as Spain are at the moment, and they're certainly not anywhere close to what they normally would be. And Germany, likewise, also going through a difficult time. They, again, Germany especially, when they come to the World Cup, they become a machine. They, they yeah. slot into a, a robot mode where you seldom see a player do anything spectacular. They all know what they have to do, need to do, and will do. And will do being will spelled W-I-L-L, underlined, highlighted. Yeah. They will do what needs to be done because the coach will ensure that that's what happens. And so they will go through with Spain. But Spain, looking at their squad, they're going through a little bit of a rebuilding phase. They do have some useful players, of course. But they also have some average players, and therefore, I cannot see them going further than maybe quarterfinal stage. So we move to Group F, and a couple of very interesting facts in Group F, which features Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. So Belgium are the only team to be ranked number one in the world by FIFA who have not won the World Cup. They're also... Let's yeah. remember, no foreign coach in terms of uh, nationality-wise has taken a country to the World Cup. But Belgium, yes. with Roberto Martinez, could very well break those rules and rewrite the record books because they should easily come out of the group with Canada, Morocco and Croatia. I agree with you. I think that they will come out. They definitely will come out of there. There's only one thing about Belgium. Uh, I have them as the... So I've said to you, I like Brazil, I like France, Argentina, England. Mm -hmm. Although England, as you well know, will come. We'll discuss England just now when you give me the group. And I'll tell you what I think about England. Uh, and then Portugal, who I think is going to be a threat. We'll discuss that just now as well, Portugal. And then Belgium. The problem with Belgium, Louis, unfortunately, and I honestly, although I am a, a supporter of a specific team or whatever, I always wanted Belgium to do exceptionally well because they have an array of footballers that are really top, top class. A wonderful coach who is a dreamer of football, and I love dreamers of football because I too was a dreamer, both as a player and as a coach. I think what will happen is that Belgium will go through, without a question of doubt, but they can't win this World Cup for one reason, and that is that they never get to the tape. They're always within striking distance. 
but they're always going to finish second, third, fourth. It's one of those type of teams. And very, very sad because a player like Kevin De Bruyne, who for me, for the last three, four years, has been the most influential footballer in the world, will not ever win the World Cup, unfortunately. But they've a wonderful opportunity by virtue of the fact that they play Canada and then they play Morocco. So their two yes. easiest games are their first two games. So they could get the six points needed to go through, rest players, because I think with the heat and everything else that's going to happen in Qatar, it's going to be very important game management with regards to how you play. Right. Group H, the last group we've already spoken about Brazil. We get to Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. So, yeah. what a group. My goodness, you can't predict the two teams coming out of there because Gabbana, Gabbana, Ghana, of course, yeah. well, you never know with them. They can do anything. They are nowhere exactly. near the 2010 Ghana, but even so, Uruguay yeah. will come with a South American brand of football that can mess anybody up. Yep. Let's not talk about the Portuguese captain at the moment because the attention that's been drawn around Ronaldo and now apparently he's sick and he hasn't been training with Portugal. And then South Korea with uh, Son in their team, always extremely competitive. This has to be the most difficult group of all. You are spot on. And you mentioned the player Son, who for me is one of the most underrated players. Yeah probably in England, because he happens to play with a player by the name of Harry Kane. This son, for me, I've been telling all my Spurs friends for the last four or five years, I think he's been there four or five years, that this guy is something special. His work rate, his intensity, his desire, that's a typical footballer who will run through a brick wall for any coach, for any team, at any stage, at any time. He's the most incredible footballer. And for their sake, I would love him to get into the next round. However, this group, Louis, is without a question of doubt the group of death. There's no question about it. Portugal, with their array of players, who for the very first time in the history of the World Cup, virtually the entire squad plays overseas, has matured, gone overseas, and are playing in all the top leagues in the world. They have an incredibly talented squad of players with immense experience at club level across the board, with massive teams. So they surely will go through and they will be the dark horses, in my opinion, to shock Brazil, Argentina, France to the World Cup. And I'm not so saying I'm gonna... this because I'm Portuguese. I really yeah. believe this. So I'm going to give really you the opportunity. It. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to be the coach manager of the Portuguese side at the World Cup. With all yes. the noise that's going on at the moment around Cristiano Ronaldo, would you bench yes. him? Would you play him or would you kick him out the squad? That's Can he be an question. influence? Be a good or bad influence? What would you do? That's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I'm only going to tell you this. If Ronaldo is 100% fit, and when I say 100%, he's 100% fitness, and his mind is right, and he wants to play, he will be in the starting lineup. If I, as a coach, have any doubts on those three issues, he will start on the bench. As valuable as he is, as valuable as he is, as commanding as he is, and with what's happening now, with a lot of bad press, etc., 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 he's not doing himself any favours by actually putting Portugal under a lot of pressure because what he's done now is he's going to obviously filter into the other players in the squad, which is not good. And I am very, very disappointed in, in Ronaldo because he is a phenomenal athlete, stroke footballer, one of the greatest of all times, and he doesn't deserve to be in this situation, which he has created himself, realistically. Yeah. So I've lost a little bit of respect for him because of it. And I do hope 
that it does not affect the national squad. So you've got two scenarios, obviously, with Ronaldo. He's either going to come out as golden boot, massive, massive star, and everybody's yeah. going to want to buy him at the end of the World Cup, or yeah. the whole of Portugal's yeah. going to blame Portugal's failure to qualify for the next round or get knocked out on poor yes. Cristiano Ronaldo. The yes. weight on this man's shoulders is... It's a very it. strong possibility. It's a very strong possibility. And they should go through with, with Uruguay. But as you said, Ghana and South Korea, you know, Ghana, as you say, they could lose every single match. Mm. But they could also win one, draw one, draw another yeah. one, and suddenly they're in the mix. That's Ghana. Ghana, you can't tell for sure what's going to happen. And South Korea, that work rate, that competitiveness that they have, that, that, that running, that, that, that forceful nature that they have, that they're not prepared to give up, will give every single one of those other three teams a go for their money. And so I would classify this as the group of death, because anything I, is possible. I think there might have to be a toss of a coin even in this group to see who goes through. They could all end on the same amount of points. It's going to be a very, very, very tight group. So, Serge. Uh, Louis, Louis, before you continue, I hope they don't toss that coin up too high, just in case one of the big boys grabs it and puts it into his pocket. Eh? <laughs> okay, so the tournament's coming up. I've got to be honest with you. It starts on Sunday. It's now yes. Thursday evening. Some of the teams haven't even arrived there yet. Yeah. We are going to a country that has got no history of football. There wasn't no. even a stadium built when it was awarded. Seth Blatter has recently come out and said it was the wrong decision. <laughs> Do you feel the World Cup's gonna is happening or is it it's, it just doesn't feel the same, does it? Not at all. And Seth Blatter, with all your respects, is he looking for some sympathy all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because he, yeah. he was the guy, he was riding the runaway bull that uh, made sure they got that World Cup. Exactly. I mean, Qatar, you've got to be joking. I'm in big favor that the World Cup must go everywhere. When it came to South Africa, as you know, everybody shot it down. It was the greatest World Cup up to date. It was yeah. incredible. But Qatar, everything yeah. about Qatar, it's a small place. The fields are all very close to each other. And the rights. heat is unbelievable. People can't go for a walk uh, out in the streets unless they have oxygen tents. Everything about it tells you that somehow it's not going to be the same. And realistically, we all used to look forward to four years later when the next World Cup came along and you got totally motivated by following it and knowing exactly what's going on. I'm not sure that people are doing that anymore. Certainly, I cannot believe that there will be three matches played on one day, three, four matches on one day. I mean, that's just unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And I, in my opinion, they are going to degrade what the World Cup stands for. Finally, sirs, we're disappointing in a way from a neutral. We, unfortunately, or me at least as a South African, has to be neutral because Bafana Bafana are not there. So there you are. That is it. The World Cup starts on Sunday. My thanks to Sergio Dos Santos for joining us and being so open and honest. We will chat to him, I'm sure, during the course of the World Cup and definitely catch up with him and find out if his predictions were correct. Don't forget to join us tomorrow for another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room when we preview the weekend and go through all the fixtures for the World Cup. Until then, bye for now.